This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning, and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and today the business at hand is the the business of retirement. Retirement is one of those periods in the future of many, many, many Americans and people around the world, and we we could virtually have a retirement hour uh, here at America's Web Radio because it's something which affects so many millions of people. And so I'm very pleased to have as my guest today Claire Stefan and Ed Stefan. Ed is a registered representative and financial planner with the Lincoln Financial Advisory Group in Atlanta, and he's also a chartered retirement planning counselor. He's earned the Certified Financial Planner Certification. He works with Lincoln Financial Advisors financial planning and national design teams to develop and implement custom financial plans that help clients to achieve financial objectives. More recently, Claire Stefan, Ed's wife, has joined Ed as a business partner and is helping with the marketing of the business and also with other aspects of the practice. Uh, Welcome to the Business Hour, Claire and Ed. Thank you, Ron. We're delighted to be here. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Ron. Thanks for having us. Um, I, I want to take a moment. I'm going to read the um, the uh, program promo, which I seldom do, but in this case, um, m- many of our listeners may have received an e-blast um, with the subject, it's never too early to plan for retirement, and I, I want to stress some of the points made in that promo. The headline is, 45 million Americans are ready for retirement. But how many are really ready? There might be a lot of folks out there who uh, would like to retire, but they aren't necessarily ready. And with 20% of Americans now older than 65, millions have retired. Million more, millions more are close to retirement. But several million, and I stress several million, will be working for many years to prepare so what should you do besides trying to hold on to or get a well-paying job? Um, what should you, or rather, when should you start preparation? What kinds of saving and investing should you engage in? What role does Social Security play in all of this? And those are the kinds of questions uh, that we'll talk about um, and get some answers today on, on the Business Hour. So um, with all of that in mind, uh, Ed, Tell us um, what some of the limitations are of uh, a financial advisor in your role. Uh, we, we, we know that um, there are uh, legal and accounting aspects, for example, that are left to other professionals. Um, but also, everybody's uh, personal situation is different, so you offer highly customized advice. Is that right? That is true, but... Uh for your audience, I'd like to point out that we do not give specific tax advice nor legal advice. That's why we have CPAs and tax attorneys and attorneys. However, we do help people structure their financial planning so that the attorneys and tax people can do a better job. And, and also, there, there are certain general principles of financial planning related to a retirement and uh, Social Security, for example, is just one of those areas that sort of fits into uh, uh, a retirement plan. But but that even Social Security uh, is one, not one size fits all. It's it's the, a situation where you might advise someone 
relative to what their uh, Social Security uh, payments might be or, or, or what that condition is uh, relative to Social Security and relative to their future financial plan. Is that right? That's a great point, Ron. And as we're going to talk about a little later, we'll see that it's a very personal decision because not everybody's going to live the same the same lifespan. Not everybody has the same amount of money. People's spouses are different ages. So it's important to know the rules, and that's the role we play. And then we can help our clients design a Social Security program that gives them the maximum benefit. The, the idea being that you're helping someone achieve financial objectives, and in many cases, people don't have financial objectives. We see those commercials on TV where someone's walking around with their quote-unquote number, but the vast majority, uh, I've, and this is me talking now, I venture to say that uh, 97% of the population, some very large number, doesn't have a, a number in mind so that you're helping someone actually have a plan, have an objective, and then you're tailoring uh, your advice to how to achieve that objective. Is that right? That's correct, and we help people figure out what that number is. Or some people have a number that's not realistic, and we can help show them that and develop a plan that will lead them to get where they want to go. Um, I'm going to stress again, just uh, for the purposes of uh, uh, clearing the air, that uh, you and Claire and the Lincoln Financial Advisory uh, Group uh, stress that um, we're not offering legal advice or tax advice because that is something that you may or should um, seek out from a legal or tax uh, professional. Um, so again, uh, let's let's move ahead. Um, let's talk about the area of maximizing Social Security benefits. Um, and it, it is, as we said moments ago, wide open because of the sheer range of, of the kinds of benefits that, that people um, might be receiving. So let's, let's just talk um, a little bit about, uh, about how uh, Social Security um, fits in with the larger big picture? Well, Ron, Social Security is an underestimated benefit uh, that many people don't fully understand. For most of our clients and for most people, the Social Security benefit by itself is not enough to live on. However, it can be a substantial benefit depending on your earnings record, and it is also a lifetime income stream that's adjusted for inflation. That is a very valuable feature. And we help educate our clients, and it's very important to understand the basic rules. How are benefits determined? What is the impact of taking benefits early or at full retirement age or deferring benefits beyond retirement age? It's also important to understand how spousal benefits work, how survivor benefits work, and what happens if you are divorced. There are a couple of techniques available to married couples that are not widely understood but can generate additional income, and we're going to give an example of that later. We can go into the details of these techniques in our seminars and, in course, with, in meetings with clients and potential clients. Okay. Um, Ed, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the skill sets required for 
um, talking about um, financial planning and particularly the area of uh, Social Security, um, uh, you have um, certified financial planning uh, certification. And I'm just uh, uh, wondering, um, have you spent um, a lot of time or do you have to spend a lot of ongoing time focusing on um, Social Security so that you're up to date? Well, the rules change every year. The benefits change. The cost of living adjustments change. So, yes, it's important that we keep up with it. And one of the questions we're often asked uh, is, should baby boomers be concerned with Social Security? And what we tell them, the Social Security system is fully funded to the to, into the 2030s. Every year, the Government Accounting Office puts out a report, and it shows how it's being funded and how it's being drawn down. And at some time in the early 2030s, uh, Social Security, as it's currently funded, will only be able to pay a portion of the benefit. Congress is well aware of this, and there are a number of proposals being evaluated to preserve the ability to make a full payment, which many people will be depending on. Things being considered are raising the full retirement age, changing the cost of living adjustments, and raising the cap on which Social Security benefits are taxed. Most of these proposals are unlikely to greatly affect current baby boomers, but we're keeping a close watch on this situation. And tell us about how uh, Social Security benefits are, are determined, uh, in ranging from uh, full retirement age um, to uh, primary insurance. Just tell us a little bit about how, how those benefits are determined. Well, first, let's define a couple of important Social Security terms. This is the language that the Social Security Administration uses. The first is full retirement age, or FRA. This is when you are entitled to your, to your full benefit. And depending on when you were born, it falls between the ages of 66 and 67. The next term we want to know about is primary insurance amount, or PIA. We also call this your full retirement benefit. You will get this when you reach your FRA, or full retirement age. As a general rule, if you start taking Social Security before your full retirement age, you will not receive your full benefit. For example, if you take benefits at age 62, your benefit is only 75% of your full benefit, and this reduction is permanent. You will not receive a larger benefit when you get to your full retirement age if you took benefits early. That's a very important thing to remember. Tell us again how, how early is considered early? You cannot, other things being equal, and there are special situations, but for most people, the earliest they could begin taking Social Security is age 62, and you would get a reduced benefit at that age. Uh, most of the people we deal with are have a full retirement age of 66 or 67, and when you attain your full retirement age, and you can get that information from your Social Security report, that's when you're entitled to your, to your full benefit. However, and some people don't know this, if you delay taking your full benefit, you will get an 8% increase for every year after your full retirement age until you reach age 70, at which point there are no more increases. So it doesn't do you any good not to take your benefit if you reach age 70. Now, um, Social Security uh, benefits are based um, almost entirely on 
uh, how long you worked and um, how much you put into the Social Security um, uh, program. But tell us just a, a little bit more about that. Okay. Social Security is based on the 35 years of your highest earnings. So you could work 10 years and still qualify for a Social Security benefit, and many people, uh, either a husband or wife, may have stayed home to take care and raise children, and they don't have a, a full 35 years of working. So they have zeros on their record. But people like that can re-enter the workforce, and even if they work for a few more years, they can increase their Social Security benefit. Now, I would imagine that a lot of folks um, in their late 50s and early 60s, before that magic number of of 62, when they could be um, drawing early Social Security benefits, um, uh, if if they aren't coming to you, they probably should be coming to you uh, or their own um, uh, financial planner and asking, um, should I... Uh, or you know what what benefits uh, do I accrue uh, and when should I begin? Uh, should I start at age 62, 63, 64, or wait until age 65? That's a great question, Ron, and it's perhaps the most important question we deal with with our clients. And it's also a very personal decision, which is why it's important to know the rules. If there's only one thing your listeners take away from this program, it is. Don't apply for benefits before your full retirement age unless you have to. A person can apply for benefits on their own record or as a spouse at age 62. However, the benefit you will receive is not 100% of the benefit you will get when when you reach age 66. That's why, other things being equal, we advise our clients not to take benefits early if they can afford not to. We're, um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, more aspects of retirement uh, beyond Social Security, which is a major part of it. We're here with Claire and Ed Stefan of the Lincoln Financial Advisory Group. We'll be back right after this break. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Claire Stefan and Ed Stefan of the Lincoln Financial Advisory Group. Um, I want to ask 
Um, and, and, and sort of take a break from Social Security, which we'll get back to, but I know that there's probably listeners out there that would find it interesting uh, to hear uh, about the business, the practice per se. And uh, so, Claire, let's talk for a moment about the professional partnership. And uh, I have the impression that the, the two of you managed to successfully work together as partners, quote-unquote. Um, and that, in and of itself, is not an easy task for unmarried partners, much less married partners. Um, but I think it works very well in your case. And, and, and tell us why you think it's worked and what advice you might offer to other couples that are listening and thinking about working together. And, and this is a departure from our uh, financial uh, a- a- advisory discussion, but, uh, but I think it's one that uh, a lot of listeners out there would be find fascinating. And we are the business hour, which uh, drills down into um, how businesses work. And in this case, we're talking about how this financial advisory practice works as a, uh, a partnership between the two of you, which, as I said, I, I, I get the impression it works quite well. And actually, Ron, it has been working beautifully. I joined uh, Ed's team about three and a half years ago after I retired from my uh, job in corporate America, and he convinced me to join his planning practice. And I was interested, but we had such a great relationship and a great marriage, I was hesitant to rock the boat, so to speak. But we decided we'd give it a try, and then if it worked, wonderful. If it didn't, then we would go about our separate business careers and keep the marriage strong. But I think one of the reasons it works so well is that we have completely different skill sets. So we complement each other, and we also have tremendous respect for each other and our individual talents. Um, but it it is, uh, but, and as I should say, I'm the, I do the marketing and, and the client relations, and I'm out there in the community networking and, and uh, meeting people to bring into the practice. And once I started working with that, I, I saw how talented he was when it came to financial planning and his knowledge and how well he worked with the co- the customers and that even gave me more confidence to go out and bring more people in the practice because I know how important it is to plan for your financial future and it's very important for us to educate the public so they understand the importance of of planning and not running out of money in retirement so I am out there kind of spreading the word and if they become clients great but otherwise it's it's just very important for me to get the word out in the community about the importance of planning for retirement. Well, you know, through the years I've worked uh, as a marketing consultant with a variety of clients from from small practices to very large corporate clients, um, including, you know, AT&T, IBM, the Coca-Cola company, and in fact, um, uh, not so much in uh, the major uh, corporate uh, sectors, but there are uh, franchises um, of as part of these major uh, corporate groups. Um, and I have found that oftentimes some of the most successful of those um, franchise groups, highly respected, highly professional, um, bound by um, corporate guidelines as they apply to uh, the franchisees, but that some of the most successful are husband and wife's team, husband and wife teams, where there is a separation of skill sets. And very often, um, one or the other may have um, the the knowledge base r- related 
in this case to financial planning, which would be Ed, and the other uh, uh, partner uh, is focusing on a, on a broad range of, of uh, management and marketing, um, which is uh, the area um, that you work in, uh, Claire. And, um, uh, you know, these days marketing has changed. You know, marketing has uh, taken on whole new dimensions of um, digital uh, uh, dimensions uh, and um, social media, and um, uh, just touch on that for a moment. We can even come back to it. But uh, you know, how do you how do you juggle uh, conventional marketing with these new uh, uh, digital mediums? Yeah, the digital world has opened up a whole world of possibilities. But in our business, uh, and due to the nature of it, we are pretty much limited in our social media for marketing tools. Now, we do have electronic communications. We send out a monthly e-newsletter. But what we do as far as electronic, we are pretty limited to working with uh, within LinkedIn. We're not allowed to work with Facebook. But I do, each Ed, Ed and I each have what we call a static profile on LinkedIn, which is a profile that's been approved by Lincoln. And what I do is I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn every week just looking through my network of people, looking to keep up with people and to expand my network. And some of the things that I look for when I'm on LinkedIn would possibly be someone who has just recently changed jobs because that's someone who could be a prospective client and I would uh, feel comfortable reaching out to somebody I know via LinkedIn uh, to talk to, you know, to see if they could uh, be that, you know, benefit from Ed's services. Now I want to turn back to um, planning for retirement, and uh, I want to ask Ed uh, um, about something I, I, I touched on uh, a bit ago, and that is, um, and, and it was included in the subject, uh, and that is, it, you can't begin too early, uh, I think. I think uh, parents that um, are putting money away for infants uh, that are a part of a college fund will say that's in some sense the beginning of planning for retirement because uh, whether that money gets used for college expenses or not when you start a child uh, on the path toward saving uh, that is one of the first steps Um, but for the rest of the the general population which is the vast majority because most people aren't um, either in a position to or prudent enough to begin uh, saving for college or having their or, or parents beginning a college fund um, how how early uh, Ed do you get asked that question often you know how early should uh, I begin re- re- uh, retirement planning or, or maybe even you get folks of retirement at age asking what 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 should my kids do so how early is is uh, 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 should someone consider planning for retirement? Ron, it's never too early to begin retirement. Time is on your side when you start young, and uh, our practice focuses on baby boomer retirement. That's what we do. But, of course, boomers have children, and we've got plenty of their cl- their children as our clients, and we always tell them the same thing. Start early. Claire's a great example of this. She's always been a saver. She's got some great stories and working growing up as a kid, getting up early in a bakery, and she always saved a portion of her earnings. Then she became an investor, and that enabled her to build up a retirement nest egg that allowed her, allowed her to retire at age 57. Here's an example that we use with our younger clients and how time is on your side. 
Back when IRAs were first introduced, the annual contribution limit was $2,000. If a 20-year-old invested $2,000 a year for 10 years and then never put another nickel in, that person would have more money at age 65 than someone who started at age 30 and contributed that amount every year until they reached age 65. The limits for IRAs are much higher now, but the concept, concept is still the same and it works for any return. Uh, so that's what we say. Start early and save as much as you can. Yeah, I, I would say that along with um, start as early as you can, that um, we should emphasize the uh, uh, the magic of compounded interest, uh, the, the 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 amazing effect of uh, of saving and having uh, that money grow. Um, I personally think that that one of the silver linings of the economic downturn of uh, a few years ago, because we do appear to be um, uh, on a recovery, uh, lots of indications, um, but that uh, a few years back when the economy um, was experiencing a, a drought, if you will, I think that a lot of Americans, uh, and and you know this applies to to other countries as well. We we do have international listeners, so uh, please put this in the context of your own uh, national economy and your own personal uh, situation. But I think a lot of young uh, people were reminded that whoa, hey, I, I should think about saving. And there are some countries um, that that have a culture. Of greater savings and, and less um, spending, certainly on the kinds of things uh, that disposable income allows you to spend on. But I think a lot of people pulled back. Um, there, you know, it, it just reminded people that that there were benefits uh, to saving, and um, and and maybe even making um, the the connection with oh, now that I'm saving. I can even look to financial planning. Has that been your experience, uh, Ed, over the last uh, few years that there are young, some young people looking further ahead than ever? Absolutely. And again, it goes back to the children of our client base. And we get phone calls from people who see our seminar advertisements. And what we tell them all is start as early as you can. As you pointed out, the compounding interest is a huge benefit. The time is on your side when you start young. We tell the younger clients to pay yourself first. Take advantage of any employer-offered plans such as 401ks and 403bs. Other things being equal, the younger you are, the more aggressively you can invest. So it's not as much giving specific investment strategies as be aggressive. You have Time is on your side. If we think back to 2008-2009, the Dow Jones Industrial Average went from 14,000 to 6,600 in less than a year. But now it's back around 17,000. So in just six short years, the market has recovered. Now, if you're 25, 30, or 40, or even 50, you can afford to ride out those downturns. Once you get to closer to retirement age, then we get a little more cautious and pay a little more attention to the asset allocation so you're not exposed to a tremendous downturn right before you retire. And, you know, we're not talking about people uh, being overly aggressive. We're talking about uh, uh, 
the fact that it's a period of time when um, mistakes that you might make um, can be a little more forgiving. Uh, yes, relative we've to made them. La- later, right, relative <laughs> to later on in, in life where um, you're going to want to have a plan that you're executing without as much high-risk deviation unless uh, you win the lottery, and then you can uh, be uh, a, gr- a greater risk-taker. Um, um, tell us about accumulation and distribution, Ed. Well, those are, and for every nearly everybody, the two phases of retirement planning are accumulation, this is your working years, and distribution, when you start taking income. Okay, uh, let me stop you on that point. Um, before you actually begin the, uh, the description, I, I, I probably should have taken note that we're going to be taking a break, and when we come back, what we'll do is we'll talk about accumulation and distribution. We're here with Claire Stefan and Ed Stefan. We'll be back to talk more about retirement right after this break. This is Dr. Elena George with your health tip of the day. Did you know that dizziness may be a sign of heart disease, iron deficiency, high or low blood pressure, low blood sugar, or an inner ear infection. Dizziness can be take the form of a spinning sensation, also known as vertigo, or a feeling of lightheadedness. The individual can also feel faint or have a rapid heartbeat. If you take high blood pressure medication, remember to take the medication daily as directed to control your blood pressure. Diabetics must remember to eat after taking their medication and to eat at regular intervals. If you have anemia, make sure to take a multivitamin that contains iron and to eat vegetables such as spinach. Dizziness after a cold or flu may be due to a virus. If you have dizziness, it is important to see your doctor for a complete physical examination. Please join me Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for Medicine on Call. This is Dr. Elena George. This is Michael Ganot with the Middle East Research Center Limited, bringing you insight to Israel, the truth about the greatness of the Jewish state and its struggle for sovereignty and security every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we are here with Claire and Ed Stefan, a husband and wife team that have been very successful in working with clients who want to plan for their retirement. And um, Ed is eminently qualified uh, to offer 
very specific um, uh, financial advice related to retirement, and Claire has been supporting um, the practice uh, more in the marketing side and in some other areas of, of, of management. But before the break, we were talking about um, you know principles of early retirement, sort of rules. Uh, and, and the considerations when you're beginning at an earlier stage, and we were talking about accumulation and distribution. So, Ed, let's uh, pick it up there and have you tell us a little bit about accumulation um, and distribution. Well, Ron, your accumulation years begin when you start working, and they last until you retire. That is the time you are building up a nest egg. What we tell our younger clients is to save as much as they can uh, using IRAs, Roth IRAs, and company-sponsored plans such as 401ks, but also, and almost as important or perhaps more importantly, coupled with savings, we advise people to live below their means, get accustomed to saving and investing, and you could do this and still have a nice lifestyle and take vacations and buy the things you want, but if you make saving a priority, you will be so glad you did when it's time for you to retire. We also recommend that you invest fairly aggressively while you're young because time is on your side. Once you get to within 10 years or so of your retirement, it's time to pay a little more attention to your asset allocation in order to protect the growth you've enjoyed throughout your accumulation years. Now, um, Ed, everyone's uh, financial situation uh, is different. Uh, Two people making the same amount of money, even working for the same company, um, will have a variety of conditions um, that impact um, their financial plan. Um, how is it that you help uh, an individual or a family um, to determine um, what, what, what that approach should be? How do you assess their financial condition? We have a formal process that we go through with each client and potential client. And, of course, we have to have an understanding of their assets But more importantly, we spend a lot of time on their personal objectives. Where do our clients want to get to? We're able to analyze our client's current position and help lay out a roadmap on how to achieve those objectives. We often run into situations where our our client's retirement objectives aren't quite attainable. In those cases, we analyze various alternatives, such as working longer, which means delaying your retirement, savings more, adjusting your anticipated retirement lifestyle, or taking more investment risks in order to realize greater return. Often, it's a combination of all those things. But going back to our process, our primary objective is to try to make sure our clients never run out of money. We help them understand how to differentiate between needs expenses, like housing, food, transportation, and insurance, and lifestyle expenses such as vacations, second homes, travel. We try to ensure that our clients have enough lifetime income streams for their needs expenses. The lifetime income comes from pensions, if they're lucky enough to have one, Social Security, and if there's a shortfall, some type of insurance product. I'm going to switch now back to um, asking Claire uh, uh, about... um, Sort of the the, the financial um, uh, evolution, if you will, or at least the the knowledge base that that you might have acquired uh, through the years, Claire. 
uh, earlier in the program, um, Ed had mentioned that that you were good about saving, and you know I dare say, you're you're in the distinct minority to have been someone who started uh, saving at, at an early age. Um, m- most of us just don't have that foresight uh, or uh, restraint, if you will. Um, it was uh, very astute of you to begin saving at an early age, and so. Um, Tell us a little bit about the origin of of why it is, Claire, that that you think you started saving early, and then let's talk a little bit about um, what impact working with Ed, meeting Ed, and learning about um, the basic principles uh, of a financial plan, how that might have impacted what you've done over the last a few years. But 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 where did this? Um, savings uh, mentality uh, begin? Well, Ron, I think it probably started, it, it did start when I was a kid, and my parents grew up in the, uh, they, they were post-depression children, so they grew up, their families had to be very careful with money, so, and I think a lot of people from that generation grew up with a healthy respect for money, and they didn't squander it, and they passed that on to, to the children, and I just, I think, had an innate desire to save money, even when I was a little kid and I'd get my allowance, I never ran down to the candy store and squandered it all in one day. I always held on to some of it, and I saved for things, whether it just be a you know a transistor radio. I guess I'm dating myself now, uh, but just something fun. And when I was, uh, you know, I always babysat when I as soon as I was old enough and I got my first job when I was 15 or 16 as I mentioned I worked in a bakery all through high school and I saved my money even back then because I wanted to go I we, we took ski trips to Europe as my, my ski club in high school so I I worked for all year round and saved my money so I could go to Europe so I you know, I would save it, but then spend it. But it was just an innate. You you were actually able to accrue the benefits of of saving uh, prior to high school, even while you were in high school, um, by it, uh, taking some uh, of those trips. Oh, absolutely! And it was so rewarding to not just spend it right away, but and I also felt a security in having some money in my pocket. And again, maybe that came from my parents, but I never wanted to be without some money. And so, let's. Uh, Advance uh, a, a few years, maybe mm-hmm. a few decades, yeah, yeah. and 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 you you meet Ed, and you've um, already uh, managed to to quote unquote retire. Um, but there might have been a few things you learned um, that would even uh, improve your financial situation. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Because even. Believe it or not, I was working before they even had 401ks, but I worked for companies that would have a credit union or something, so you would always save part of your money. And then when Ed and I married in our 30s, he said, let's set a goal and let's retire at 65 and, I mean, at 55, I'm sorry, 55 and, you know, walk away from corporate America. And I said, hmm, that sounds good. I had never even thought about retirement in my 30s. So then I had another goal, and it's like, okay. And I became, you know, I would max out my 401k, max out my IRA, and then still put other money aside just so that we would have the ability to retirement and the financial freedom, I guess, was more important. It wasn't even having lots of things. It was that freedom and independence that you could have when you had some money in the bank. But then we became very involved and invested in the stock market and, and did very well during the tech boom. But then we went into the uh, tech bust, and Ed and I lost a lot of money. And this was something we said, we can't keep doing this. So Ed, actually, on his own, while still working in corporate America, 
uh, went to night school at Oglethorpe University in, in Atlanta and got his certified financial planner's uh, certification. And then he decided that was a career path he wanted to go down to help other people plan for retirement. Um, so when he came, became a financial advisor, we both learned, he learned new strategies that I learned from him, that there are other ways to save beyond just traditional stocks and mutual funds where I would be able to participate in the stock market yet be protected from that downside that the stock market often has and that there were products in which I could have a guaranteed lifetime income stream. Um, and since I have longevity in my family, years ago I used to think, oh, my God, I, I could live to 100. How could you ever save enough money to live for 40 years in retirement? So with Ed's knowledge, it, it made me gave me the peace of mind to know by investing in certain ways and utilizing cert, certain strategies that I could live to 100 and not run out of money. Well, and, and, and after all, that's that's what it's all about. That's, that's sort of the, uh, the crux of this uh, today's program is – uh, planning for many decades in many cases. Not everyone is going to live to be 90 or 100, but many will. Uh, and uh, you have to, that's the nature of the beast here, is you have to factor in the possibility that you're going to have greater longevity than you previously thought and plan for it. So as Ed said, you don't run out of money. Um so that brings us back to um, that question uh, of um, let's let's talk about when uh, you might start applying for uh, Social Security. Well, you should, as we touched on briefly b- before, we advise our clients to delay as long as they could afford to up until age 70, other things being equal. You can't always control what's going to happen. If you have a short lifespan, that might affect your decision. If uh, your spouse has worked or not worked, that might affect your decision. You might simply need the money. We have run into many folks who have lost their jobs, and at age 62, they needed the income, and so they really don't have that option. But if you wait until age 70, you're going to get a much larger benefit. And one of the things that's important about that is that larger benefit when you pass away, and uh, usually the husband dies first, that's actuarially what happens, that larger benefit then goes to the surviving spouse. So it's a great form of life insurance. Um, we, um, we're we going to get into actually um, what it is that um, uh, women in particular uh, have to consider because men's lifespan is still uh, a few years short of of women's lifespan and and we'll get into that but uh, um, the notion that you might need uh, to uh, apply earlier um, tell us again what effect that might have um, overall if you apply before your full retirement age your benefit is going to be reduced and if you retire at age 62 which more than 60% of people who are eligible for benefits do apply at age 62, you have a permanent reduction, a lifetime reduction in your benefit. You will get the cost of living adjustments, but that benefit is not going to be as much as it would have been had you waited. And if you just look at a table of Social Security benefits, the difference between an age 62 benefit and an age 70 benefit is almost double. And if you're going to have that longevity, that is a nice thing to have if you are able to afford to delay taking the benefit. 
We're um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how um, a situation for married people is is different uh, than for single individuals. Um, but we're going to take a break, and then we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, um, considerations for women that are that are different for men when we come back. We're talking with Claire and Ed Stefan about retirement. We'll talk more about retirement right after this break. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We've been talking with Claire Stefan and Ed Stefan, a husband and wife team, that are specialists in retirement with the Lincoln Financial Advisory Group. And before the break, we were talking uh, about um, Social Security. And, you know, it's it's a very... Um, ever-changing situation. Um, You have rules and regulations related to Social Security, um, and when to retire, uh, we just discussed, is also a moving target. But also, it's it's different for uh, married people uh, than for individuals. Uh, Tell us how um, married people are affected, or conversely, how individuals are affected differently than married couples. Ron, this is one of the areas where we can really help our clients. The rules are a little complex, and there are many possible ways a married couple can use Social Security. Also, when you're married, you might get divorced, and one of the couple is likely to outlive their spouse, setting up a situation where Social Security survivor benefits come into play. Let's start with the basic rules for spousal benefits. One scenario is a couple where one spouse worked and the other didn't. The non-working spouse is entitled to one half of the working spouse benefit when they are both full retirement age, usually between the ages of 66 and 67. If either or both decide to take their benefit before full retirement age, and we can't say this enough, their benefit will be permanently reduced. Surprisingly, or maybe not, we have a number of clients who knew nothing about the spousal benefit, and it came as a pleasant surprise. 
and if both spouses have earned Social Security benefits, the rules and planning opportunities become more complicated, and I'll give an example in a little while. Okay. Um, how about the, the situation, uh, the condition, um, the life event, if you will, uh, of, of divorce? How does divorce play into um, one Social Security um, benefits? Well, this is, we run into lots of divorced folks, and this is another area where we can really help people, and they need to know the rules. If you are married for at least 10 years and then divorce, you are entitled to divorce spouse benefits, or you may be, because you need to have a spouse who had a Social Security record. And the divorce spouse benefits are similar to spousal benefits, one half of the divorce partner's benefit, if it is larger than your own. And if a man was married or a woman to different people for 10 years each, both of the divorced partners are entitled to benefits from their ex's record. And your ex does not have to know this and will not be informed if you make a claim on a divorce benefit, but you will have to go to a Social Security office and apply in person. And if you had multiple spouses, you can only claim one benefit, and it would usually be the highest. And if you remarry that divorced spouse benefit goes away. And we have actually talked to folks where the decision to remarry was, to marry each other, was influenced by a Social Security benefit from a previous marriage. And we can help do the calculations to make a good decision. These days, uh, most couples um, have, uh, both um, partners have a uh, an earning record. And so uh, does that uh, complicate things? Uh, very much so, and this is where, again, it is important to know the rules. When both spouses have an earnings record, we have to consider first their relative ages. The closer they are in age, the easier it is to take advantage of some of the lesser-known rules of the system. We also have to consider how much each spouse benefit compare. Are they the same, close to, or not the same? And we have to take into account the health of each spouse, as this can impact survivor benefits. The two techniques that are available to couples are known as file and suspend and file and restrict. It is important to note that these are available only to married couples who have attained full retirement age. I'm going to give a pretty good real-life example from one of our clients. The man is one year older than his wife. They both had good careers and had similar earnings records. Their benefits are pretty much the same. Here is an option that they are considering. When the husband gets to age 67, his wife will be 66, and they will have both reached full retirement age. He can elect to file and suspend. He will notify the Social Security Administration that he's filing for benefits, but he wants to suspend the actual payment. He will not receive his suspended benefit, which will now grow 8% for each year past his full retirement age. His wife, one year younger at 66, is also at full retirement age, will then apply for benefits, but she will restrict her benefits to her spousal benefit. And she can only claim a spousal benefit if her husband is filed. That's why the husband had to file. Thus, the file and suspend for the husband and the file and restrict for the wife. This allows her own benefit to grow at 8% a year until she switches to her own benefit at age 70. Thus, this couple will receive over $1,000 a month for up to four years while allowing both their personal benefits to max out at age 70. 
that's a big deal. Um, I want to turn now to um, um, asking Claire um, about um, working with with women. Uh, I, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, I have, um, in my personal uh, professional uh, experience, worked with uh, couples who. Uh, work together in in a practice, and in many cases, uh, those were highly successful franchises of major uh, corporations, um, and and have uh, found uh, that in situations where women are helping to advise other women, there's a, a significantly higher credibility factor. And and Claire, I'm I'm wondering, uh, you know. From uh, medical to legal practices, uh, women have been uh, more experienced uh, or or receptive, we'll say, uh, in uh, dealing um, with uh, women professionals. Is that what you have found to be the case? Absolutely, Ron. And I think the fact that we work together as a couple seems to make women feel more comfortable. And we do focus a lot of our practice on women and we, we work with the best strategies to help women plan for their future. Uh, as a matter of fact, Ed and I give frequent seminars on many different financial topics throughout the community and to different organizations. And we were just talking a couple of weeks ago how we noticed that uh, the majority of the attendees happen to be women, and many of them single women. And the other thing we come across with women is that we find women in their 50s and 60s who have been married for most of their lives and suddenly they wind up divorced and they are starting at square one trying to figure out the finances, how to plan for retirement. They, they in some cases, left the planning to their husband and were not involved at all in the process. And then at uh, you know, 58 years old, suddenly they're, they're having to figure it all out for themselves. And that's something where we think we can add a lot of value and we offer as much guidance as they need because we're very fo- you know, focused on women and women's issues. Well, and, and in fact, I mean, women still do live an average of uh, 4.9 years longer. And uh, uh, you know, it's an indelicate uh, topic, but uh, with uh, men passing away uh, sooner, generally speaking, mm-hmm. uh, that does uh, put uh, a woman in a uh, completely different situation uh, that the man uh, might not experience. He could as a, a widower, but uh, um, women are more frequently put into that uh, situation. Um, uh, tell us just a little bit more about how those conditions differ for women than for men. Yeah. Well, you're right. Women do statistically outlive men. And the irony is that women tend to make less money and invest more conservative, conservatively, but yet need to make those retirement dollars last for a longer period of time. And additionally, women are probably, since they're the surviving spouse, are usually uh, in need of long-term care, and they have to plan for that, <clears throat> too, because as it comes as a surprise to many people that Medicare doesn't co- cover long-term care, so they have to plan for that as well. An important consideration that uh, women may have to factor in um, conditions that are different for men Um we're, we're coming to the close in our program, and I'm wondering, uh, Ed, if you have a final word uh, when it comes to uh, planning for retirement. 
Well, everyone should have a financial plan, and it's a good idea to seek out an advisor, ask your friends, go on the Internet, look at the Certified Financial Planner website, which gives guidelines for selecting a financial planner. And to everyone, we would say start saving early and live below your means. Two important things that can help you have a good retirement. Well, I want to thank um, you, Claire, and thank you, Ed, uh, for coming on to the Business Hour. Thank you very much, Ron. Thanks, Ron. It's been a pleasure. We've uh, we've been discussing retirement, a, a very important topic for everyone uh, who uh, might be listening. And you've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>